Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem will be learning Daf Pei Vav in Ervin. Such a great sugya. We're so lucky to be here. We begin in the middle of Pei Hei Amad Beis, the Mishnah we already read. Um, we'll say it outside, and then we'll read the Gemara. The basic idea is as follows. We are back to Eruvei Chatzeros. For a brief Mishnah, we're going to get back to the uh, topic of yesterday a little bit, but not quite in a, as complicated a fashion. But let's talk about Eruvei Chatzeros and Shitufei Mavos. As we said, a bunch of members of the gated community, right, the Chatzer, they all get together and they all join in the Eruv. If an individual does not want to join the Eruv, he, is, he can, in fact, ruin the entire consortium. He can ruin the Eruv for everybody. Now, in order to have, so to speak, the rights to ruin other people's Eruv, he would need to be literally a resident of the community. Okay? So, that's issue number one. He would need to be a resident. So, let's say a person lives in this gated community, but in a cardboard box, kind of like in the courtyard. Right? So, that's not called a resident of the community. He might personally live in that community, but he, that's what we call homeless. Right? So, that ind- homeless individual... So the two things. First of all, if he decides, I don't want anything to have anything to do with you guys, so that person, he's not going to ruin the air of it all. He's not considered an actual full-fledged resident because he doesn't live in a residence in the community. And conversely also, or on the other hand, it's two sides of a coin, the placement of the air of Chatzeros has to be in a residence. The placement of the air of Chatzeros has to be in a residence, such that to put it in this individual's cardboard box where he happens to sleep or on the park bench in this gated community where he happens to live would also not be valid and the air would in fact not be valid. So the air has to be placed in a residence and a person in order to ruin the consortium would have to be one who lives in a residence. So the Mishnah had said uh, different things. What's considered a residence? So it talked about um, how a portico, a gatehouse, a gallery, right, is just like living on the park bench. And then we talked about, fine. And then we talked about how, however, there are certain things that are in, in between where you have like a straw shed, a barn, a woodshed, or a storehouse. It's more common to live in such a residence. And therefore, that's considered a real residence. Um, and then at the very end, Rabbi Huda said, um, that even if somebody, let's say, lives in the woodshed, right? But happens to be, or somebody lives in the barn. So we said that that's a, a case where it is considered a residence. So again, you can put the air of there, and a person who lives there can, in fact, ruin the consortium if he doesn't want to join. However, what's the story? Andrew owns his house, and Andrew also owns a barn. If Andrew actually has use of the barn as well, not just his tenant, but also that's where he keeps his golf clubs. So if that's where he also keeps his golf clubs and he has use of the barn, so now that person no longer who lives there, that tenant, no longer has the power to ruin the air because Andrew has enough jurisdiction, as it were, over that barn that it's really his space to either join or not join the Arab, so the tenant can't overrule Andrew in that regard with regards to joining the Arab. Okay. So let's go back to the Gemara, because we went a little too quickly yesterday, and we'll start. Amar Yehuda the He made two extra comments on the Mishnah that are significant. Uh, he first makes a diuk. The Gemara is going to say, this diuk is obvious in the Mishnah, and the Gemara is going to answer, well, okay, the diuk is obvious, but the two extra things that he contributes here are significant. So we ran over them yesterday, so let's do a little bit 
clear as follows. So the first thing is the concept that we said, that it's two sides of a coin, that if a person who lives there um, is not considered enough of a resident in order to ruin the Erev should he want to pull out, then that space is also not valid enough in order to place an Erev there. Both of them have the same criteria, which is it has to be a real residence uh, in order to join the Erev and a real residence in order to get out of the Erev. Fine. Oh, Garanowitz. Yeah, I have my T-Mobile the, life. You know? The T-Mobile. My T-Mobile. I got a life, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Be- uh, back with the storm. That's all I got. What? Garanowitz has his mask. He's back. Garano- the first, we are in Pehe on Bays. We're a little behind Garanowitz. I would love to socialize, but we're going to talk after. We're right after the mission. We started the Gemara in Peheim and Bays. Garanowitz is back, teaches us a lesson. Don't ever go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Okay, fine. Yeah, but we sent you to Pittsburgh and you almost never came back. But welcome back, Garanowitz. Unbelievable. Okay, so there is an exception to this idea. Sorry, Andrew, I had my mask on here. I got the mask, that's all I got. So there's an exception to this idea. If you have a resident. Right, uh, and and that's where you put the the matzah. There is a there is a case actually where an individual can live in the place, such that living in that place is enough of a residence that you can put the Arab there, but he does not have the authority to ruin the Arab. What is that case? Says Rabbi Huda Bray the Shmuel Bar Shilas Chutz Yachid. What's a base shar the Yachid? So let's say you have a gated community, Goranowitz. But so everyone lives in their gated community in their respective houses. But there's also a gatehouse for one. It's the base shar the yachid, right? The Mishnah had already said that the base shar is is a place where, uh, right? The, there's one of the cases. I know so there, it's a ruva base shar. That's how the Mishnah starts. We said that that's not considered a residence at all. But a base shar the yachid, that guy really lives there. Okay, that guy really lives there. And since he lives there, you can put the Erev there. However, however, uh, right, Chutzim Beishar the Yachid, right, so he says you can put the Erev there, but he can't restrict other people. Why? Because in order to join, to restrict other people from the consortium, you gotta really be part of the community. You gotta be part of the crew. So this guy, when, pe- when he's at a cocktail party and he's trying to impress his friends, right. they ask, where do you live? He says, I live in a gated community. Right. But does he really live in a gated community? No. <laughs> He lives in the gate of the gated community. That's a different thing. So he lives in the gate. He can't join the consortium, right? He can't join. He said, Andrew, why can't you react like Aronowitz when he's not here? All right, we'll talk about that later. So you, you can't be by yourself. You've got to be part of a group that's showing us, right? The, right. In other words, if you're, if you're part, that's right. You, it's nice to be part of the group. But this guy with regard is, is considered a little bit outside of the group with respect to if he pulls out, then he can't. Oh, so if he pulls, if he doesn't want to be part of the Erev, he's not going to ruin the Erev. But, it, but you could put the Erev in his house. So you can learn the Goranowitz Musr a different way, Goranowitz. You could say, wow. you can, you could be part of the group for good. Okay? The group is strong enough. Oh, for the good. Yeah. So that's the first Chiddush. And the second Chiddush is, V'chol ma'akum sh'armu chachamim e'en manichin bo Erev, manichin bo shituf, chutz me'avir, uh, uh, right? Chutz me'avir mavoi. What's this? Like this. Anywhere where we said that you can't put an Erev. So we said, right, in our Mishnah, that you can't put the Erev in the, in the portico. You can't put it in the Merpeset. Those are not residents. 
However, you could put a sheet of mavaos there. You could put a sheet of mavaos there, chutz avir mavoi, but you just can't place it in the middle of the street or in the middle of the, right, in the middle of the mavoi. What's going on here? So again, with regards to Erev Chatzeros, just to getting our, our head screwed back on here, with regards to Erev Chatzeros, you have to put it in a residence, as we've been saying. But with regards to Shituf Mavos, you don't have to put it in a residence at all. You just have to have it protected somewhere. You just have to put it somewhere where it's not just in the middle of the street where it's going to blow away. That's the only criteria for Shituf Mavos. A very big difference between where you're going to put the Erev Chatzeros and the Shituf Mavos. Okay. All right, let's keep, let's go on. Okay, my kamash malon. So the question the Gemara first asked, as we mentioned before, Rabbi Huda is asking, what's Rabbi Huda? Well, the Gemara is asking, what's Rabbi Huda telling us? He's just making a diuk in the Mishnah that we already knew. Tanina, we already learned in the Mishnah. Right, those are all the cases where the Mishnah had said it's not an erev like the merpesed, etc. You can't put an erev chatzeros there. Erevu delo havi hashitu havi, and the Gemara now is saying that this diuk. Even the diuk of the Avir Mavoy could have been inferred from the yeshiva, from the Mishnah. You could have said, yeah, all of these rep- apply to an Erev Chatzeros, and I would have known by inference that a sheet of Mavos doesn't have these restrictions. So Gemara answers that while you could have deduced it, some of the exceptions you would not have been able to do. So, so to speak, base Shar de Yachid, the Avir de Mavoy, it's Right. In other words, the first thing is the base Shar is a statement that Rebuta made. The guy who lives in the actual gate of the gatehouse, the halacha that he can join the Erev, but he can't ruin the Erev, that is important. And we would not have inferred that from the Mishnah, because the Mishnah had a base shar, but didn't have a base shar to Yachid. And also, Avir Demavoy, it's Rechalei. You also have to learn Avir Demavoy, because after all, you might have known that you don't have to put it in uh, the sheet of Mavos, in an actual residence, but you wouldn't have necessarily known that it has to be protected. Maybe you would have thought that you don't have to put it in anything at all. You could just kind of leave it on the side of the street. And those were not taught in the Mishnah. It says the Gemara, the Lotanan, those were not taught in the Mishnah. And therefore that is where Behuda was quoting the Mishnah in order to teach us. He made a diuk that we could have made on our own, but then he added those two special halachas. And we have a brisa to support it. Tanya nami hachi, we also have a brisa to teach you that because the brisa says, Hanosen es eruva beveis shara chsadra repesed rechatsu vermavoi, hareze eruv. Okay, so wait a minute. Beishar achsadron pesach chatzer mavoi. Whoa. Well, that that sounds like not what we said. It says that if you could put it in the mavoi, it's an erev. What's going on here? So the gemara is going to sort it out. Don't worry. That's not ain's a erev, right? Our mission says that if you put it in a mavoi, if, if, if you put it in any of these places, it's not considered an erev. So what's going on? So ema harez a shituf. No. So you have to say that brisa is not talking about an erev chateres, but a shituf mavos. As we said, those areas are okay for a shituf mavos. But then the problem is that it also had the Mavoy as the final example in that Brisa. So the Gemara asks, Shitif Mavoy lo minter. But wait, you can't put a Shitif Mavos in the actual street. That's not actually protected. Says no. Says the Gemara, no. What the Brisa means is, Ema bechatzer sheba Mavoy. Say that it's talking about the chatzer of the Mavoy, but not the Mavoy itself. Gemara was on the second wide line. Amar Behuda Amar Shmuel. Oh, very interesting case. We're going to see how does this apply to like a condo or a hotel. So let's see. We quoted this earlier with respect to uh, the shituf mavos and the procedure of establishing a shituf mavos. Uh, we're recording it again. 
if you had a whole condo, a whole bunch of people, they're eating their meal outside in the courtyard. And they're having a festive, whatever, kiddush together. V'kaddish alei mayom, they're making kiddush. Pas shal they're making a kiddush, like a sit-down kiddush. Pas shal ha-shulchan, mishum erev. Wow. The bread on the table in the sit-down kiddush um, can be used as the erev. V'amalei mishum shituf, and some say they can use it for the shituf mavos. So Amaraba below pligi. So Raba says the same thing. Erev chatzera shituf mavos. Kamrim sumim b'bais. Kamrim sumim b'chatzer. That's not really machlokes, but it just is talking about two different cases. That those who say that you can somchan that you're somchan on the erev chatzeros. That's when you're in the house. The, the sit down kiddush is in the house. And those who say they could use for shituf mavos. That's when you're having these sit down kiddush outdoors in the beautiful chatzer. So Abaye says, There you go. We have a Brisa which says that when you do the Erev Chatzeros, you could do so in the actual Chatzer. And when you do the Shitu Femavos, you could do it in the actual Mavoy. And Abaye explains, And now when we learn this in the first time, it sounds like very much against everything we're learning, right? Because an Erev Chatzeros is supposed to be in someone's house. Not in the middle of the chatzer. And the sheet of Mavos is supposed to be just about anywhere except for the street itself, the Mavoy. So what does this statement mean? So we have to amend it as follows. When we learned it, we said, Eruv chatzeres b'chatzer v'atznan. Eruv b'beis sharach sadrim repeses ain't no Eruv. Right? We said explicitly in our Mishnah that all those cases, it's not an Eruv. So how can you do it in a chatzer? Right? If it's not good in a merpes, it's certainly not good in the chatzer itself. So the b'risa therefore is uh, modified as follows, and then it's all going to make sense. Ema, and this was what we know to be the case, to be the lacha, Ema, Eruva Chatzeros, Bebais Shabachatzer. In order to make an Erev Chatzeros, it has to be in a house of the Chatzer. And Shitufe Mavos, Bechatzer Shabemavoy. In order to do the Shitufe Mavos, it has to be in the Chatzer of the Mavoy. It has to be in the, right, Chatzer, which is in the Mavoy, as long as it's in the Chatzer, so then it would be okay, but it would have to be protected. So what are we teaching us? What is it teaching us? So there's a big, the big halachic For example, when we make the Erev in Baltimore, we're making a Shetufe Mavos. So it doesn't have to be in someone's residence. If it had to be in someone's residence, you'd have to put it in Rav Heinemann Shalita's house. But because it doesn't have to be in, in someone's residence, they put it in Rav Heinemann's shul. Nobody necessarily lives in Rav Heinemann's shul, but that's where it is. It's in Aguda Park Heights. As long as it's protected, it's okay. See, three lines up. Our Mishnah says, So what, what did the Mishnah say? It says that if Andrew keeps his golf clubs in the barn, so then even if there's a, res, a tenant there, Andrew's uh, say in the Erev is intact. So says the Gemara, Oh, you're going to love this. Oh, you're going to love this. The Gemara says, what, what do you mean golf clubs? What do you mean by, by, by having some... Uh, some holding in his residence. Says the Gemara, it's like, oh, it doesn't give the example of Andrew, it gives the example of Bunyas ben Bunyas, very wealthy individual. He once came to visit Rebbe, and Amar Lahu, when Rebbe said to him, Rebbe said, everybody, let's clear the way for this millionaire. Another man came to visit Rebbe, and Amar Lahu, and to him, Rebbe said, Wow, clear the way for this gajillionaire. What's going on? First of all, why is this happening? Rashi, the second to last line on Pei Hamon Bey says, Bunyas bin Bunyas, Hashir Ava. He was a very wealthy man. 
that he would have a lot of property and he would have a lot of houses, but he would have so much stuff as well that he would have to store his stuff in other people in the houses that he sublet, so to speak, or that he rented out. So that's why it's relevant to us. Anyway. Right, you have a friend who does that. So the point is now, we're going to get into a crazy, uh, situ- uh, an unexpected conversation. Rebbe is saying, here's a millionaire, here's a billionaire. He's giving all these kavod to these wealthy people. So I'm really fond of Rebbe Shmuel, Rebbe Yossi. So you would think Rebbe Shmuel, Rebbe Yossi would say, Rebbe, why are you giving kavod to these wealthy people? But that wasn't the question. The question was, Rebbe, so why are you saying this one's a millionaire, this one's a billionaire? You know that how rich that millionaire is? He's way richer than that billionaire. He has a thousand ships in the sea. And he has and corresponding thousands of islands. Have you ever been to Thousand Island in New York? I've been too. I, had, I thought it would be beautiful. And what, a thousand islands sounds so much better than it is. Amala, Rebbe said to him, I mean, it's nice. But, when you reach his father, tell him, Al bakelim halalu he, says, he says to him, I understand. You think that Bunyas bin Bunyas is way richer than the second guy, but you got to tell Bunyas' father that uh, he should dress his son a little bit better. Because you know we have two kinds of wealthy people. You have like the, the Rockefellers who dress like super, uh, like in tuxedos. And then you have like the, the new wave millennial Silicon Valley guys who are dressed like uh, hippies. So, yeah, so Bunyas bin Bunyas was dressed like a hippie. So he said he comes in in his flip-flops and, and a t-shirt, and he, and that's what Rebbe was saying. He's saying he didn't dress like a billionaire. So I called him a millionaire, I called the guy who dressed better, but was not quite as Bill Gates-ish. I called him the billionaire anyway, because he was wearing a tuxedo. Now the Gemara amazingly says, Rebbe Mechabed Hashirim. Rebbe used to give a lot of cover to wealthy people. Rebbe Akiva Mechabed Hashirim. He also used to give cover to wealthy people. Kiddarish Rava Barmari, like Rabbi Marmari said, Yeshev Olam Lefnei Elokim Chesed Ve'emes Min Yitzaru. That's a pasuk in what? Um, Birnbaum guest Eov. I guessed Mishlei. It's embarrassing. It's Tehillim. Anyways. It, so it's in Tehillim. Yeshiv Olam. We play this game. Like, do you recall, remember this pasuk? That was embarrassing. Wow. Yeah. What does the pasuk mean? When would the world settle before Hashem? Bizman shechesed ve'emes man yin tziruhu. That's interesting. When... Chesed and Emes, people talk of tzedakah, okay, Gorano, it's Muslim moment, tzedakah means tzedek, that's, what's the way, that's the way it's supposed to be, right, when you give kindness and ample things for people who need it, right. that actually, yinsuru means preserves, that preserves the world, the preservation of the world, so yeah, so it's not just giving kavod to people for being wealthy and, and managing to make a lot of money. Right. It's giving covered to the fact that they are actually distributing the money. Only when they're distributing their money properly, right. okay, right. can, then, then you're going to get that kind, that actually upkeeps the world. Everybody, everybody, everybody gives daf and the arskol, everybody quotes the Rabbi Kiva Eger that's over here, wow. that quotes the Gil Nashas from the wow. Kutimaril in the name of Maram Segal. The what? The idea was over here that why was Rebbe giving this covered to rich people, an unbelievable thing. He gave covered to rich people because he wanted to avoid getting covered for being Rebbe. After all, he was a Talmud Chacham. So he, the Talmud Chachamim and Reb Shalom Rosner, if we have time at the end, which is unlikely, we'll talk about different stories of Chazal 
where they were so incredibly careful, right? When you have somebody who's rabbi so-and-so, so he has a lot of clout, right? He could, in theory, get what in Israel is called protexia, right? He could, in theory, get preferential treatment for the fact that he's the rabbi of the shul. But the Chazal were very, very careful not to do that. So it's a weird application of it with Rebbe, very unusual. He would rather, he himself was wealthy, he would rather be known as wealthy and get credit for just the fact that he was a good businessman and sort of distract, right, to sort of distract from the fact that he's, to throw people off the scent of, in lieu of getting um, kavod for being a Tamachacham. Because he was very nervous, did not want at all to be uh, known as a Tamachacham and to get preferential treatment. The story is told, I'll tell just one of the stories, Rabbi Tarfon was in fact abducted, one of the Gemaras. And while he was abducted, he was literally in a sack being carried, and he said, you know I'm Rabbi Tarfon. And the abductor, right, the villain, let go right away. He was terrified. He's like, this was, I didn't realize, he didn't realize that he had taken Rabbi Tarfon. It was an accident. And Rabbi Tarfon in his whole life was upset because he had used, so to speak, his name and his clout to get out of what anybody would have done anything to get out of. But even if it was to get out of an abduction, he was very, very uncomfortable, right, with using his name. So you see the humility of a true Rav not to use, not to lord over other people with their tremendous um, wow. Tamil Anyway, amazing. Okay, so now back to the halacha regarding um, Andrew's golf clubs. Is what, what are good examples of things that Andrew could keep in his barn with his tenant that would still retain right, his rights over there? So Rabbi Baruch Amar Kigon Yasei So let's say Andrew's plow. If he keeps only the peg of the plow, that's enough to retain the rights of the said barn. The Gemara says, so what wouldn't be? So Amar of Nachman Tanah Be Shmuel, Davar Hanitel B'Shabbos Oiser, Davar She'enu Nitel B'Shabbos Eino Oser. Ah, it has to be something that would actually be left there on Shabbos. In other words, it has to be something that you can't move in order to establish residence. If it's some, if he's keeping like his Shabbos bowl right in in there, and then on Shabbos he takes it away, so then that's not establishing enough residence. That's what it means, right? Nitl b'Shabbos Oser. It means that the person who lives there can actually oser the Erev because Andrew doesn't have enough jurisdiction. He's keeping something that he's going to take away. But the golf clubs, he's not going to play golf on Shabbos. So those would be okay. Or anything else that you would say that he's not going to move, uh, either because it's Muktzah, or it's because it's something that he never moves, or it's because it's too heavy to move. But whatever the reason is that it's going to stay there over Shabbos, that would be Eino Oser, which means that would enable Andrew to join um, that person on behalf, enough jurisdiction that even if the person who lives in the barn wanted to ruin the air, if he did not have the uh, authority to do that. And to support that, we have a Braisa, Tanya, Namahachi, Yeshel Tevel, Yeshel Ashashis, if the owner has Tevel, so that's, right, that's, uh, food that's produce that didn't have meiser yet, so he's not moving that, right? So the tevel is a good example of something where, right? Physically, inherently, the food is certainly something you could use on Shabbos because you can't take off meiser on Shabbos, and because you're not going to move it as as a consequence of that. So whatever, um, practically, you're not going to move that is going to be considered enough to create a jurisdiction there. Okay, so. We, it's 5.58 a.m. It's not yet 6 o'clock. We're doing the Mishnah now on Pevavam Dalif, and we're going to get to back to a topic similar to what we learned yesterday, but we're going to hopefully go through it with some pace here because this is not, not too bad. Amaniach, oh no, this is not, we have one more Mishnah, a tiny little Mishnah before we get to that. So here we go. Amaniach, beis of halach, lishbos, be yerachar. So we already learned this, so this is going to flow. 
This has to do with the heir of Chatzera, somebody who left his house, went to spend Shabbos in another town. This is, we're about to learn the most classic uh, daughter-in-law Gemara of all time. Don't tell your daughters-in-law about this Gemara. So, Echad Nachri Echad Yisrael. So again, this is a, this is a, a significant case. The person's not going to be in town. Does he ruin the Eruv by not being there? Echad Nachri Echad Yisrael. Whether he's a Jew or not. Let's see. Hareza Oiser. So that's a problem. Divrei Rabbi Meir. According to Rabbi Meir, if you didn't join the Eruv and you're out of town, everybody in the consortium is out of luck. You can't use the Eruv. So that's Rabbi Meir's sheet. Rabbi Huda Oimer Eina Oser. That it's not a problem. That only the people who are actually physically there for Shabbos. That's the only people who need to be in on this Erev. So Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Nachri Oser, Yisrael Eine Oser. A hybrid shita, that if a guy is, went, went out of town, then it is a problem. But if a Jew went out of town, it's not a problem. Why? She'ein derech Yisrael, love b'Shabbos. Because if a Jew went out of town, he's out of sight, out of mind. He's not part of this group because he's away for Shabbos. He's not coming back. The problem with the, with the, Guy is that he could he travels on Shabbos. He could come back anytime. He's always pulling up on Shabbos, like when TJ came to visit me in, in Israel, my friend from Orthodontic School. He came twice, all every time. He showed up with his caravan on Shabbos day, making a commotion. So Rabbi Shimon Aimer, Rabbi Shimon says that even if a Jew went to spend Shabbos where in the same city. But a different chatzer with his daughter, Eina Oiser. So what it, the Chiddush of Rabbi Shimon is, is that as long as, right, you're out of the community, even if you could walk back. So this is the most mekil shita in a sense, right? Because we said the reason, right, the reason why Rabbi Yossi said that a nachri is Oiser is because he's kind of gone back. Rabbi Shimon says, even a Jew who could come back, right? He's staying in the Cheswold area with his daughter, but he lives, right, on Falstaff. So he's really in town, in the Chatzar, so theoretically he could come back and therefore his non-contribution to the Erev could ruin the Erev, but now he's by his daughter, he's going to stay there. So even if he could come back, it's okay. The Jew's not going to come back, he's going to stay there for Shabbos, and therefore wherever he set up his residence for Shabbos, we, we assume that that's where he is, and he's not going to ruin our Erev by his lack of participation. Why? Because already he dismissed any thought of coming back. That's where he's going for Shabbos. He's by his daughter on the other side of Baltimore. And that's fine. So I'm a Rav. Rav says, Allah is like Rabbi Shimon. If you go to your daughter for Shabbos on the other side of Baltimore, you're not going to ruin the Erev. We're considering that you're not going to come back. However, says Rav, Dafka Bito. That's only if you go to your married daughter. But if you go to your married son, uh-uh. Oh, why? The Amri Inchi, I'll say it outside first and I'll read it inside, because your daughter is going to always be welcoming to you. See, the woman is, runs the house. So the daughter likes her, her pop there and she's going to always be welcome. You can feel comfortable all Shabbos long. Your son, he has no say at all. He's married to a woman and whatever she says, whatever she says goes. This daughter-in-law may not uh, care for you as much. In fact, it's likely like she won't. It's all about whether, what the woman really? wants in the house. Look at the Lashon of the Gemara. The armor in Shefer people say, Navach Bachkalba Ul, Navach Baguryasa Puk. It means if a male dog barks at you, meaning your son, <laughs> then, so if your daughter, right, is the one where you're going for Shabbos, so even if her husband doesn't like you, right. 
you can go in. It doesn't matter. His bark is worse, is, is, is worthless. It's worse than, is, his bark is worse than his bite. You just go in, you'll be fine. But if your son marries a girl that doesn't want you there and she barks at you, pook, you better get out of there. Okay, I thought you'd like that. Unbelievable life lessons here. Okay. Yeah, it's not quite the seven habits, but it is a, it is a life lesson there. Okay, so Mishnah. Bort, okay, now we're back. Whew, we're back to yesterday's topic. Here we go, but we're going to fly here. Bor shemen shtei chatzeros. So you have a bor between two chatzeros. We mentioned it earlier. You have, it's partially in one and partially in the other. Ein memalin memen b'shabbos. You can't get water out of it on Shabbos. Why can't you get water on Shabbos? Rashi. Shazem memalin mishos chavero. Right? So basically it's a case, again, where we said there's no, there's no error between these two chatzeros. Who are the two people living in these two chatzers? Did you know Goranowitz in this particular case? I don't know if you were aware. It's Andrew and Barry. So Andrew and Barry, they have this bore between them. We mentioned it yesterday. They can't take from each other's wells, so to speak. There's one well in between them. And the problem is they can't take from each other because you can't, because they didn't make an Erev. However, there's a way that they could do it. They're going to make a partition in the actual well, and therefore each one takes from their own side of the well, and that is in fact allowed. It's a mechitza, a proper asar tefach mechitza. Now, where is this mechitza? So the Mishnah says, Bein milmata, bein mitoch ogno. Either it's down below within, it's the lip of the well, we'll see what this means. Sounds like a, um, it sounds like a song. Bichamai says, um, that the the partition has to be down below. We'll see what that means. Basil Omrim, it has to be above. We'll see what that means. That uh, whatever this mechitza is, it doesn't have to be more effective than the wall that's already between the two chatzeros. We'll see in the Gemara what all of this means. You look at Rashi, Rashi's like, wait for the Gemara. This is not going to make any sense unless you wait um, until you read it in the Gemara. Okay. So let's see. Now, just so you understand what's going on here, this is not a physical division of the well, right? To have an actual wall that physically divides the well, that's the equivalent of having two separate wells. That would, of course, be okay. What's happening here is chazal are being makil with water, as we have said in the past, that as long as there is the appearance of a division uh, in order to serve as a heker, so to speak, in order to serve as a reminder that you're supposed to have an air of here, that's going to be enough in order to enable to allow Barry and Andrew to draw from their respective sides of the well. And it's just a question of which side, the question of what would be a proper hekar. So we're not talking about Pesukim or right from anywhere as sources. This is Chazal and sort of like Machloksin as to what would Chazal agree to as a threshold of enough of a hekar to allow this well to be used from both sides. Uh, from the chaseres on both sides. So let's dig in. Amar Avuna, lamata lamata mamish, lamala lamala mamish. So of course. I hate to ask this, but that daughter-in-law does that really apply <laughs> these days? Oh my gosh! Does that um, really apply? Because uh-huh. well, I can tell you from personal experience that you have to keep. If you like your daughter-in-law, my my wife always says that if your son gets married, yeah, you could be nice to your son, but who you really need to be nice to is your daughter-in-law. If you could befriend your daughter-in-law and you're on good terms, then Baruch Hashem, it could be beautiful. We're very zocher to have that situation. Uh, and so that's a true blessing. So if someone has that relationship, as we uh, feel like we do, it's a, it's a blessing indeed. Because if you don't, then you're, you're in trouble. Amar Rav Huna. Lamata lamata mamish, lamala lamala mamish. Vezeh vezeh bebor. Now, there's a machlokas Rav Huna 
and Rabbi Yehuda as to what this Lamala and Lamata means. So in order to understand it, you have to, it's, easy, it's easier if you look on in the art scroll and you'll see the figures uh, over here. So the figure on the left column above is going to be Rav Huna. Rav Huna explains that Lamala, right, you, it's hard to understand, but you have to see it for, in the Mepharshim, as Rashi explains, in the Ritva, you have to see like this. Look at what's going on here. You have a cistern, and let's say it's half filled, okay? So Rav Huna's explaining, this is what the Machlokas Beis Hillel Beis Shammai is, that who said, who said what? Beis Shammai said Lamata, Beis Hillel said Milmala. So Beis Hillel holds, Lamala means as follows. It's just what's more of a hecker. And we can understand what the machlokas is according to Rabbi because it's like this. Um, I meant, I meant Rav Huna. We can understand what Rav Huna means as follows. According to base Hillel, the partition has to be closer to the surface because that's where it's visible, right? Neither partitions here are inside the actual water as you could see in the figure. But, but what's happening is, according to Beishamai, the partition is right above the water, so that you could see that the partition is actually, so to speak, splitting the water, but it's a, you have to look a little down into the system to see it. And according to Beis Hillel, it doesn't have to touch the water at all, but it has to be above on sort of like the surface level of the bore in order for people, for that to be more visible, even though it's less abutting, less up against the water. That's the Machlokas Beisham Beis Hillel, according to Rav Huna. Rabbi Yehuda Amar Lamata Lamata Min Hamayim. Oh, the Lamala Lamala Min Hamayim. So that's the figure immediately below it. Where according to Rabbi Yehuda, he actually holds that Lamata means submerged in the water, creating a partition, but not as we'll see a full partition. It's literally submerged to show we're really breaking up this water. And Lamala is basically Rabbi Yehuda's uh, Lamala is Rav Huna's. Lamata, right? Where Lamala means right above the surface of the, not the cistern, but above the surface of the water, and that's Lamala. Okay. So now we're going to question Rabbi Yehuda. Amli Rabbi Barachan Labai, how the Amr Yehuda, Lamata, Lamata, Minamayim, Maishna Lamata, Mamish, Delo, what is the idea of submerging, Lamata, Mamish, what's the idea of submerging the actual Mechitza in the water of the cistern itself? The Arive Maya. In other words, what would be the point of that? Now you can't see the partition, and it's so submerged that the water above it is still flowing. And so if you were to say that it's to physically separate the well, that would be one thing. But we know that that can't be the case, because after all, if you did that, then there'd be no shaila, right? So the water is still flowing from side to side. So what's the point, according to Yudah, of submerging this partition, right? So we say, the matamin nami, right? And even if, so whether, again, it would seem that the reason why, so this is how you phrase the question, it would seem that the reason why Beit wants you to submerge this machitza um, as opposed to Beit Shilal, is because Beit feels that the Lamala approach allows the water to flow underneath it. But what the Gemara is saying now is that if you submerge the machitza, so then the water flows above it. So what have you accomplished? That's how you read it. You say, Even if you submerge the mechitza in the water, so instead of the water flowing below the mechitza, the water is going to flow above the mechitza. And therefore, if the point of Beis Shammai within Rabbi Yehuda is to stop the water flow, you have not accomplished that, and therefore, what would be the point? So, Amaleya, by answers, Lo Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amarav. You see this every once in a while. It's like, you didn't hear what Rabbi Yehuda Amarav said? 
and some say it in the name of Rechia. Now that even according to Beit Shammai, you always need to have at least the tips of the reeds, whatever the Mechitz is made out of, has to be uh, showing at least a tefach above the water, because after all, no matter which shita you go with, it has to be recognizable, right? If you stick a partition in the middle of the water where nobody sees it, what's the point of that? The, the whole point of this is to be a hekar. So certainly no matter what your shita is going to be, you're going to have to have the water sticking out a little bit above the water. So then what would be the point? So another issue is Visu, also Rabbi Barchanan asked by how dumb Rabbi Yehuda lamala lamala minamayim maish na lamala. In other words, according to Rabbi Yehuda's explanation of Basilel, maish na lamala mamish delo. Right. In other words, what is the point of being above? Right. In other words, why is it right where it's literally above? Does that why does that make sense? Da'arivim Maya. In other words, once it's not um, blocking off the water at all, okay, so then you may as well keep it higher up, right? Same is true even if it's immediately above the water. Either way, the water below is going to be mixing, okay? So, so again, it doesn't, once you say it doesn't have to touch, right, the surface of the water, so then what does it matter whether it's near the water or high above it? Okay. Is there anything else you can say about this? I'm, I'm going to try, but first I want to finish the topic here. Um, so Abaye answers, Amr lo datani Yaakov karchina. Oh, see, we got to Yaakov the bald. Have you not heard the Bryce that was taught by Yaakov karchina? Tzarech she'yishakea roshe kanim b'mayim tefach. I think we could do it, Musser. Wait one second. You have to submerge the tips of the reeds at least a tefach in the water. Oh, so that's already a different thing, right? So that's what's going on here. That's the machlokas, as Rashi explains, Bichamai need the mechitza to be mafsekes all the way down, and Beishilel just need a heker. So that ends up being the machlokas Beishilel and Beishamai, because you're going to say, if it has to touch the water, so again, it has to, according to the shita, that it has to touch the water, it has to at least submerge a little bit into the water. According to the shita, that it, that it's submerged in the water, it has to stick out a little bit in the water. So what basically you're learning is that either way, you need a heker. You need to be able to see it. But you, but the machlokas would be, does it have to, as part of the heker, does it have to just separate the water a little bit? Because after all, right, if it's not even touching the water, maybe it's not enough of a heker because you won't even associate what this thing is doing here with the fact that it's supposed to be splitting up the, the water. Maybe you need to have a little bit of a submerging in the water to, you know, send home the point of why you're splitting it up. So if Elah Hadam, Rabbi Yehuda, that which Rabbi Yehuda said, uh, so what's going on here with Rabbi Yehuda said? Rabbi Yehuda, as we said over here, in, um, made, made the, fi- the final uh, statement, right, that it has to be, um, right, lo tehe mechitza gedolam in a kosel shebeinehem. So let's say you had between the two chatzers like an archway over the water crossing across the cistern. So what does that mean? Kora arba materes bechorva, right? So Rabbi Yehuda said that if you have a kora arba, this is going to be now uh, talking about a different case where you're talking about a chorva. And we said that when you have a kora that's four fucking wide, that allows you to carry in a ruin. We're going to see how that works. Under the Korah, you can carry. Why? Rav Nachman Amar Bar Ravua. And Rav Nachman said the name of Ravua as we turn to Pevavam Rebez at the symbolic time of 6.13 a.m. Korah Arba Materes B'mayim. It's really 6.14. A Korah that's four, it's fucking wide. That's above the Mayim. 
allows you to draw water in the chatzir. So wait a minute. What's going on here? Okay. We're about to explain uh, the halacha of Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah. But first, we're saying two statements that he said. The first one is not necessarily relevant to us. The first one has to do just with a fort fucking wide beam allowing you to carry a chorva in a ruin. But the second one is exactly our issue, that if you have a four tfachim wide beam parting the two chatzeros, instead of the uh, thing that we said before, which was like the board inside the cistern, now we're talking about like an archway above the cistern. That archway would allow both Andrew and Barry to, pour, to take water out of it. How so? Yeah. The Gemara asks, wait a minute. How does this work with the Korah? The bucket... Just because you have a beam over this, you could still, if Andrew sticks in his bucket, it could go to, the, to Barry's side and vice versa. That's the very thing we were trying to avoid. Umaisi. And you could bring, and Barry could bring water from Andrew's chatzer. How could Korah be the valid partition? The Gemara answers, Kimlu Rabbanan, the Ein There was an assumption of the rabbis that a bucket that's brought, to, brought out doesn't go more than four Tfachim. Therefore, once the board is four tefachim or more, it's going to obviate this concern of getting from the other side of the chatzer, getting the water from the other side of the chatzer, and therefore the bucket itself will not extend beyond it. And so just by virtue of having this beam, that's enough of a deterrent and enables Andrew and Barry to get from their respective sides of the well. However, says the Gemara, Tachas Rive Maya, what are you saying? The water itself... Okay, so Andrew and Barry are going to keep to their sides, but the water itself beneath certainly does mix. Ella rather answers the Gemara, We know that the Chazal made special dispensations with water. They allowed it. That even though the water mixed, just this fact that we have this appearance of a partition is going to be enough to allow us to draw water because water is the elixir of life. We need to have kulos by water. We want to be able to access water on Shabbos. Rabbi Tavla Mirav. That's what Rav Tavia asked once Rav Rav. Mechitza. Tluya ma'u shetate Right? So getting back to the mechitzas tluyos, he said, are you allowed, if you have, let's say, what's a mechitza tluya? It means that it's actually a mechitza, but from the top. It doesn't extend all the way down to the floor. So is that going to be allowed in a, in a chorva to carry in either side of it? So I'm going ain mechitza tluya materas, ela be, mine. That if you have a mechitza that's tluya, which means that the mechitza is up in the air, it's only going to be allowed to carry water. So, kal Chazal were willing to be makil when it came to water. Geronowitz, maim is taira. Maim is chayim, maim is taira. When it comes to Torah, if it's going to help you learn, you can use your T-Mobile phone to wake yourself up. Two dots, eight lines down. Amr Rabbi Yehuda, mechitza. So what was this last thing that Rabbi Yehuda said? That you can have that the the partition that we just uh, spent a lot of time describing does not have to be more effective than let's say a wall that's already between the chatzeros. So Yehuda holds that that wall itself divides the water enough. You have a wall between the chatzeros and you have the cistern in between. That wall is enough of a hecker. You don't need to do this extra shtick of the plank inside the the plank inside the cistern. As follows: Rabbi Yudu was referring to the shitas of Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi, in fact, says that this idea of mechitzas tluyos, he was against what we had said before in the name of Rav. Rabbi Yossi, in fact, held that even on dry land you can have the mechitzas tluyos. Where do we learn that? Ditnan. What? Mesechet? Mesechet sukkah. Bezat Hashem will get there. 
If you have sukkah walls from the top down, obviously if it's more than the um, Andrew single three tfachim off the ground, then it's going to be possible, right? Because we right, we could say animals can get down there. Certainly if you're building it from the ground up, so for a sukkah, ten tfachim walls are enough. Famous sheet of Rabbi Yaisi, that even if it does not reach the ground, as long as the walls are ten fachim long, we allow mechitzas tlios even for a sukkah. Oh. So the Gemara is going to say, yeah, velohi, lo Rabbi Yehuda savalak Rabbi Yossi, velo Yossi savalak Rabbi Yehuda. You're going to say that Yehuda's statement, they have, let's say, this archway over the cistern, that that is a reflection, no pun intended, of the Rabbi Yossi uh, shita that mechitzas tlios are good even on dry land. Perhaps that's not so. The case of the sukkah and the case of the cistern are not, in fact, so um, comparable as follows. The Gemara says, Perhaps Rabbi Yehuda lo savala karib yoisi adkan lo kama Rabbi Yehuda ela be'eru v'chatzeres terabadan. Perhaps Rabbi Yehuda only allows this archway above the cistern to work as a mechitza because th- this is all, as we had said, issues derabadan. Aval sukkah da'araisa lo, but he would not be so bold as to apply that halacha to a sukkah, which is a chiv da'araisa, and conversely, perhaps Rabbi Yossi would only allow these mechitos teluyos to work in a sukkah, because after all, that's not an iser lav, that's not an actual, right, prohibition, that's just an iser asay. In other words, if you, if the sukkah isn't kosher, right, you didn't do an avera, right, you're not going to have to bring a korban chatas for that, perhaps, but you're just going to what? You violated an asay, you missed out on an opportunity or a mitzvah, but it's not quite as chamor as having to do an assay, even if it all be it a darabanan, as it says, of Shabbos to Isra Skilahu, lo amar. But on Shabbos, now it's interesting, he says Isra Skila. Now, Isra Skila, that, that would be true of, of, um, of a daraisa. But the point is, the fact that it's a derivative of what would otherwise be an Isra daraisa, because it's an Isra, so then that would be, in fact, more chamor, and, and therefore, even though Rabbi, Right, Rabbi Yossi would allow it by sukkah. Perhaps he wouldn't allow this Rabbi Huda shtick of having the archway across it. Okay. But what are you going to do with this Rabbi Yossi saying that he doesn't allow mechitzas tluyas or Shabbos? What are you going to do with what once happened in Tzipori? We were going to do my daughter Tzipori's bat mitzvah in Tzipori. Anyway, Tzipori is a beautiful city. Who? What was this Maisa Tzipori? And whose authority was done? Who else would have allowed it if it weren't for Rabbi Yossi? After all, Rabbi Yossi was the chief rabbi of Tzipori at the time that this incident took place. Are you curious as to what the incident was? We have a couple of minutes. The Gemara is going to say, what was the incident? First of all, before we tell you what the story was, we'll tell you that it wasn't necessarily Rabbi Yossi. As we had already seen that when Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yossi, took over for Rabbi Yossi, he reversed some of his rulings. They didn't have exactly the same exact shitas on everything. So this story that happened in Sipari may not have necessarily been a reflection of Rabbi Yossi. It may have actually been that Rabbi Shemael, uh reversed it afterwards. And so what was the incident? As follows. Everybody, I see Dan is at the edge of his seat, so I'll tell you the story. The Chiyasa Ravdimi Amar, when Ravdimi famously came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, he told the following story. Tzipari is in Israel. So he says the following story of what happened in Israel. One time, they didn't have a Sefer Torah in Sipori. Can you imagine with all the, right, we have all these uh, uh, Chazal there, 
And we have stories where they didn't have an air, they didn't have a Sefer Torah, fine. So they didn't know what to do. So the following day, they made these makeshift mechitzas. They spread linens on posts and they made like a makeshift like walkway. And through this walkway that they made, they were able to bring the Sefer Torah. They didn't have issues of carrying because they made makeshift mechitzas as like a path for the Sefer Torah from the, to the shul and they were able to read. Kamara is, in, is in, incredulous. Parsu, they spread sheets. Who says you can spread sheets on Shabbos? You can't make an Ohel Arayi Shabbos. You can't construct Mechitzos on Shabbos. What is going on here? The Gemara says, no. Wow. They were so fortunate. They had this conundrum with the Sefer Torah. And sure enough, they found sheets spread on posts, like ready mechitzas, ready to be used for this alleyway. And they used that. They took advantage of it. And they brought the Sefer Torah through this makeshift corridor and they read from it on Shabbos. But the point is, right, that Rabbi Yossi, or his son, as it were, um, allowed these sheets as mechitzos. And so it is, in fact, a reflection of the fact because these sheets were hung and they didn't touch the ground. So the fact that they were able to be used for mechitzos in this particular case shows that they held that mechitzos kluyos does work for Shabbos. I think we could stop here. Are you allowed to fix anything if, if it's, if it's uh, Not anything. That, that's, that's complicated. We're going to have to